everybody and welcome to this episode of Insights with Ipo Jelof. I am your host, Ipo Jelof. And on this episode, we are going to be talking about your personal financial roadmap. And on this episode, I have a very good friend of mine from back in uni. I think, yeah, that was, ah, I can't count how many years. I've gotten, I've gotten too old. I can't remember how long it was. But I met um, Tobe in Madonna. That was my first university before I changed. So me, Tobe, Sally, Oh my god. Oh my god. So we all um well Tobe and I and I think Amaka were in the same room and Mavis too. Yeah. Mavis Okere. Oh my god, I know we're yeah. all yeah. <laughs> so we all used to we're in one uncompleted building called the room. Madonna extension. I can never forget. <laughs> <laughs> and Tobe was in the Tobe could make hair very well. Like, I was begging Tobe, Tobe, but Tobe once in the while, she just make my hair free. I'll be like, ah. I'll be free. <laughs> I that, think that was my initial hustle. <laughs> yes. I remember, and I remember that. I think one of the best Ghana weaving I had, it was you that made it that time. I can never forget. So, like, I think my, my specialties were Ghana weaving and fishbone. Fish Those bone, the yes, I remember very when well. came out, like, people used to, to be like, I'm not doing anything this week, like, people used to, yeah. So your hustle didn't even start today, you <laughs> Okay, so yeah, that's how I know Tobe, and after that, I think we know talk for a while, then I saw Tobe on that, was it an MTN thing? Was it MTN that sponsored that stuff you did that you get yeah. Yeah, it was uh, uh, the next Titan. Next Titan. Yeah, I saw it. Titan. Said, my friend, mm-hmm. friend Tobe, I, <laughs> I was really feeling cool. I was like, I'm like, I know that babe, but we went to uni to get that. So I know it's a celebrity. <laughs> and after that, you visited um, US and I've been watching your, you know, I follow you on IG. I follow you everywhere and I see what you've been doing. You've really done a lot for yourself. And I think why I brought, when, this topic came to me. I've had it for a while, but when I was thinking of who to use for this topic, I was on a room with you on Clubhouse and I saw you talking. I was like, oh, Tobe, Tobe, this is not the Tobe. Like, Tobe has really, now a senior colleague, you know. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, yeah. let's hope Tobe will still be able to do this free for a meal, you know. Like, <laughs> and I asked you, like, oh, cool, just send me the questions and when you're ready, send me stuff and we'll talk about it. And yeah, that's why we're here today. So thank you for Aww. coming around. So Tobe, can I'm you so glad. tell everybody a little bit about you? Um, you know, talking about me is kind of, it's still one of the most difficult things for me to do every time I have to introduce myself. So there's, there's several facets of me. First of all, before I ever talk about that, thank you for the introduction because you just set me down memory lane. Like I, I, I had almost started to forget the uncompleted Madonna extension building. Ah, like uncompleted. you just brought that memory, and I'm like, wow, this is a real started from the bottom. Now we're here. Yes, so we really started from the bottom. <laughs> Somewhere um, in Okija. <laughs> Somewhere in Okija. Yeah. So anyway, about me now, um, there's there's multiple facets. As a as a corporate person, I work in tech. I'm an engagement manager for Amazon Web Services. That's fun doing all of those things, supporting my clients to migrate from 
you know, wherever they have their databases or their applications into the AWS cloud. So that's always fun. Um, and then in my personal life, um, different things, you know, I'm, uh, I've been a, I've been a podcaster Well, on a level. I'm still a podcaster. I've been a YouTuber on a level. I'm still that, um, <laughs> currently, currently I'm a, I'm a coach. Um, so I work with people to help them optimize their career and other facets of their personal life. I've just recently founded my platform, um, and I've also worked on a sort of framework for personal development that I'm launching as well. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just this person who likes to find ways to engage and give back, mm-hmm. whether it's with knowledge, things that I learn. My greatest joy is found when I'm able to just give somebody something from my experience, my knowledge, um, my associations with other people. I refer to conversations with other people very much and I love to have conversations as well. So I would say I'm just your all round personal development point of contact. <laughs> I would say whether it's money, career, faith, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, rope me in there. I can figure out a way to support. So yeah, that's me in a nutshell, I guess. Yeah, that's good. Like you're multi- multifaceted, as you said, yeah. which is yeah. really important. You can't just be stuck on one thing. You know, mm-hmm. you're able to, you might not be like, you know, let's say like this big master in it, but you know, ask me something, I'm able to lead you to the right direction. Exactly. Even if I can't lead you there, but I'll send you in the right direction that will get you there eventually, which is really yeah. good. So like That's I said, what today, I always say. Yes. So like I said today, our discussion is about personal financial, um, your personal financial roadmap. And um, I came up with stuff because I was in a room with you where you said something about um, what's, something about financial freedom. And I, I thought about it. I'm like, wow, it's true. We are young. We don't think about things like this until you hit 40, 50. Why? And I, I, and I was thinking to myself, I wish someone talked about this when I was even in my 20s. You know, I would have had a better um, understanding of money and also how to use it and how to let it work for me. So we just move on to the question. So my first question is, what does money mean to you? And what are some examples of healthy money habits? So first thing, um, when I think about money, I think about money as options, mm-hmm. right? The more money you have, the wider your option pool is, of right? As long as you're able to wake up every day and the first thing in your mind is not, hey, how will I eat today? Or how will I pay rent today? Or how will I keep the lights on today, right? If the basic things and the basic requirements and responsibilities in life are taken care of, it's easier for you to dream, for you to make plans and just see what's in front of you. So money for me represents options. When I think about the kind of life that I want to live, the the way I want to, you know, maybe perhaps God willing, raise my children, the kind of family I want to have, money represents the tool for which I can make those things happen. Um, And then when we talk about healthy money habits, I I feel like there's a broad range, but uh, you know, the, 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 the most important I would say is just the ability to know how much you have and figure out a way to live significantly underneath that amount of money. If you see that every month, what you have is a thousand dollars, yeah. How can you manage yourself so that you live on less than a thousand dollars and enjoy the life that you're able to afford with less than a thousand dollars? I think that is the that is the sort of benchmark for everything we're going to talk about today, everything we're going to figure out. Because you first of all have to live below your means so that you can use the extra to plan out what your future is going to look like. You know, so the first money habit is 
how do I live below my means? Mm-hmm. Figure that out. I, I, I like to tell that when I talk about, you know, my financial journey, I like to talk about, was it in 2015 or 16? I don't remember. But that was the first time I printed out my bank account statement. It was my Nigerian bank account. Okay. And I think going through my bank account statement and seeing exactly what I had been doing with my money, it was a huge mental reset for me. Mm-hmm. Because at that point I realized, oh, wait, hold up. These are the things that have been chopping my money. Have these things done any, like, have they given me any sort of return, right? So having that sort of visibility into the, what I had been doing with money, where my money was, it affected the way that I started to behave, the mm-hmm. way that I started to consider things when I'm going shopping. Like, it just switched my mindset and it also switched my behavior and character. Um, and I think just, you know, if you're someone who's beginning, start, start that way, start go and print out your bank account statement and see what you've been doing with money. That should trigger something for you, you know? So yeah, the healthiest habit is figure out where you are with money and figure out how to live underneath that so that you can balance out. Okay. Thank you. I think from what you said to me, um, listening to what you said and what I've always understood, um, I feel money is a tool to achieve what you want, you know, where you want your life to be, how you want your now and your future to be. And money, because people just confuse what money is, but I've always said it, like money is a tool. It also helps you to achieve your independence, which is giving you like security and also, you know, some form of power and status. Yeah, Yeah, that's all money. And, you know, you were talking about this bank account something, and it also happened to me. I think I used to listen to this financial podcast three years ago or so and they were talking one day and after that i just went to also print my bank statement that day and i'm like why (laughs) why do you use all this money on this what are you doing with all this subscription how many of them do you watch Hmm? how many of them do how many times do you buy from this place how many do you know after then i deleted because i had this yep where I watch reality shows, I deleted it. I said, I'll find it on YouTube. I deleted everything. I'm like, why? Because you'll be saying, oh, it's just five pounds, just six pounds. It's every month for it. Adds up. Mm-hmm. Do you know how much that will be when you cut down that? At least I know that, okay, for a year, I have at least 60 pounds that is not going out. That's yeah. something. It will pay my yeah. life bill. Right. So yeah, I, I totally agree. Let's have that also is is really, really important. Yeah. What you said is important. So my next one for you, I don't I remember I'm not sure what it means. That's why I'm asking you. So I was in a room with you and I heard you talk about the 10, 60, 30 rule. Can you just tell us more about it? So is I, I I wish you know when you when um we, I talk about that I keep trying to ask myself where did I see that where how did I come up with that and I on, I I feel like I learned it somewhere but I don't remember where I learned it mm-hmm. but it is really the way that I have learned over time to plan my finances okay sixty percent is of everything I earn should take care of my expenses my expenses includes my rent my bills um, my food my transportation and my jai, you know, if I want to Right. You know, so it takes care of that. Mm-hmm. And then 30% is going into my savings. 
right? Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm saving for the, the the way that I think about savings is hey, you want to have your emergency fund, you want to have that you know that amount of money that you always have stashed up, and then as you save more, you can then use the additional on that to do other things if you want. And then there's ten percent of my income that I always use to invest. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, when I started out, I was doing very, very low risk investment. I still do. I don't have a very high risk appetite. I, I think that's also some place we should come to um, in this conversation, figuring out what your risk appetite is, where investment is concerned. Um, I don't have a very high risk appetite. I don't like, my, you know how people will say, ah, GameStop did this, ah, Bitcoin did that. I, my, my chest, I can't. I can't do. It's scary. I kind of like, <laughs> yeah, I can't, right? So I kind of like, no, okay. If I take this hundred dollars and put it in some sort some security and just forget it there, it's low risk. It is almost guaranteed to give me returns. It might be low returns, but it's returns anyway, right? So I use ten percent into um my my low risk investment portfolio. So that split for me, you know, it has worked for me over time. There are some years where I switch things up, you know, if maybe I know that there's a whole lot more income coming in a particular year and I already have been able to make my life stable, it means I can save more or invest more. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, but then just the benchmark is 60% takes care of all of the expenses, 30% I'm saving, 10% I'm doing my investment play around with. And then with the savings, I have a benchmark. Okay, this is how much I want to always have in my bank account. After that, if maybe what my benchmark is, is $1,000, if I have over a thousand dollars, it's not okay. What do I want to do with this additional money, right? And then I can start making plans based off of that. So um, that ten, well, I actually call it the sixty thirty ten rule. That's the way I, I order it. Yeah. So um, that's that really for me is just uh, just a, a, a basic baseline to help you think about how you want to allocate your funds. And then oh, I just wanted to point out, right? This is a personal grouse that I have, especially with you know in America. I think in the UK as well, we use the credit system and everything. When someone is trying to evaluate you for what you can afford, they'll look at your gross income that's before tax. But yeah. then the actual money that comes into your hand is after tax. After tax. So, <laughs> so for me, I don't look at I don't look at my gross. I do my calculation based on my net. So it is the net. money that's in my hand. It's in my hand that I that I, I split up into um, the the sixty thirty ten rule. I get it because me too. You see, employer they'll give you okay. Oh my god! Like I'm jeez, I'm about to be born. <laughs> But when Mama Charlie takes all her money <laughs> at the end of the day, who was left? So, yeah, um, it's a really good one because I was in that room with you. I listened to it and I thought about it. I'm like, wow. I'm like, Tobe is dropping gems in this room. <laughs> it does a very good thing. I've started to do it. I would say for me, I take a bit more risk when it comes to investing. I will not lie, right? I've not reached crypto or those. I've not reached that level yet. I won't lie. But I know that I used to be very, very, mm, let me put small, you know, into the stock. But after a while, I thought I was like, you know, whatever. I'll put small. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully it will not end in tears. But <laughs> Hopefully. So far, it hasn't ended in tears. So, so I'm just yeah. looking for. But yeah. yeah. And I, I, want, I, I wanted to speak a bit about that, mm. you know, with, you know, just going ahead. I feel like, Right now, everyone is talking about investment, you know, invest, invest, mm. and that is great. We should all invest. Mm. But I feel we're not talking about the reality, which is that, that your investment, you're being smart about the investment does not in any way mean that you're 100% guaranteed to get returns. Like yeah, you yeah. might put that money in, it would be smart and things will change, you know, and when it happens, it happens. So I feel like going into investing is like what you said, 
go into it knowing fully well that it might end in tears. If it ends in tears, you pad your chest, you know? Yeah. 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 And then you keep it moving. But um, the, the, the reality of investing is it really is, I feel, um, and from just trends that we've looked at, yeah, it is a long game. Right. I, yeah, I believe that. Yes. I, I, I believe that. I mean, you can, you can do the short term flips if you want, but mm-hmm. if what you're looking at is building long-term wealth, then you, you need to be able to have the patience to play the long game. Yeah. Because I think I also said that day that you have the energy for now, you know, work, yeah, working, be working, yeah. be putting that money, let that money work for you in the future. When right. you are now frail, you have osteoporosis, you know, have everything going on. What like on earth is osteoporosis? You cannot walk. When your bones are now very brittle and stuff that you cannot walk anymore. <laughs> yeah, let this money work for me. But yeah, I totally agree. Know what you're going into and going with your full chest. Yeah. So the next one is, which is what people always say, like they keep coming for you. They say if you're a nine to fiver, you cannot make it. You cannot be, you know, financially free and stuff. So what are your thoughts on, you know, nine to fivers? And do you think it's a myth or a fact that you cannot attain financial freedom if you're working for someone else? Because people come mm. for you. They say, once you're nine to five, mm, as far as you're working for somebody, you can never make it. They'll tell you, free. they'll tell you, you know, if you're working for someone, you're building their dream when you should Your own dream. Yeah. You gotta get over your dream. Listen, you know, I feel like, first of all, I feel like people who say those things, they know the sort of nine to fivers that they're targeting, right? If you're targeting a person who is making 20000 a year, um, $20,000 a year, of course, you're, you're, you're right. <laughs> you know, if you're targeting someone that's making $70,000 a year, Mm. You, you you might want to rephrase your verbiage. If you're targeting someone that is making six figures, what's wrong with you? Can you please move aside? <laughs> you know? Of course. <laughs> I think it really depends on the level and the you know demographic of the nine to fiver that you're speaking of. But I don't agree because a couple of months ago I came across an article of some man who had worked a, a very low paying job for a number of years, but then he had done you know, he had his pensions and his retirement funds and he had invested those smartly. So by the time he was old, he was a millionaire, right? Now, of course, when people think about it that way, it's like, hey, I don't want to be a millionaire when I'm old. I want to be a millionaire now. If what you're looking at is you want to be balling right now, you want to live in the private jet life, then, you know, it's a different set of priorities. If, for instance, you want Jeff Bezos type of money, then you need to be able to do Jeff Bezos type of work, take his type of risks, right? So if you're trying to live that life now, there's a different strategy Mm -hmm. and a different way you would plan out your financial life. And I would agree, the easiest way to give yourself um, the, 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 the chance of becoming a millionaire right now is to do something, build something, create something that's your own and make sure that that thing is something that people will pay you for. Mm-hmm. Right. But if what you're looking at is building a long-term sustained growth, you can achieve millionaire status in a nine to five life. But now the question is, what sort of nine to five life are you pursuing? What mm-hmm. career path are you pursuing? How are you, like you said, um, there are young now. How are you using your youth to make sure that you are get you are maximizing every day that you wake up, right? So it's, I wouldn't say that it's a true or false statement. I think it's just something that is completely relative. I have a personal grouse when people come and just knock, you know, knock you in general without 
mm-hmm. outlining the relativity of it. Um, so I think know where you stand. If you're a six-figure earner, it should, you know what? I'm just going to take over the reins of this conversation now. If you're a six-figure earner, please don't fall into that nonsense <laughs> of people telling you you can't, you can't make it um, being in a nine-to-five. Mm-hmm. I feel like as a six-figure earner, you need to sit down and actually take a look at your finances and figure out the best way to strategize and optimize it. And one way, I hope we get to talk to that. One way to do that is with your retirement plan. Okay. Right? You can yeah. be smart with your retirement plan and set yourself up for a very nice financial future. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was, I was speaking to a friend recently who works in the same office as um, I do. And she hadn't maxed out her 401k benefits. And I'm like, girl, you're leaving free money on the table, right? So if you work for a company, for instance, that matches your contribution and they tell you for us to match your contribution, you have to contribute 4%. There's no reason for you to contribute less than 4%. Contribute the 4% and max out their match, right? If um, you work with a company that offers maybe, I don't know if you guys have HSA, uh, a health savings account, benefit. I don't know if you guys have that here. How it works here is, you know, you're pretty much putting money into a bank account and um, depending on which option you choose, your company can also be putting money into that same bank account for you. The only thing is that that money is money you can only spend on health related mm. events, but it's money that is yours forever and ever and ever. And it's tax-free money. Well, so it's no, like, we don't have that because the NHS is free. So, ah, okay. Have, you know, yeah. we're fully you got, I'll be balling. But here, right, and, and health expenses, healthcare expenses, a lot of people that become, that go into bankruptcy is because something happened to them health-wise, mm-hmm. right? So if now you're young, you're healthy, you are seeing free HSA money and you're not taking it, why? Mm-hmm. You know? So it's just, I feel like sometimes we take jobs and we're so focused on the ballpark figure that we don't pay attention to the other benefits, now, if you pay attention to those benefits, learn how to hack those benefits and maximize them so that if you're with the company for one year, two years, three years, you are getting the maximum benefit while working with that company. I just needed to throw that out because it's a well, personal... Because <laughs> we're still going to get to that, though, where we'll talk about, you know, guaranteeing a comfortable future. So, of mm-hmm. course, definitely... My next one kind of goes with this, which we've talked about because it's just like, you know, must you be an entrepreneur to live a wealthy lifestyle? I would say yes or no. Like, for instance, I, I mean, I'm working in tech, but I'm trying to set up a private, you know, my own thing. Hmm. But I'm not trying to set it up just because, hey, I want to make extra money. I want to set it up because this is something that I want to do. This is what sets my soul on fire, right? Mm-hmm. So, hey, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to have a side hustle, go right ahead and do that. I don't think that it is something you must do. Again, if you've built a formidable career to a point where you're sorted, then you're sorted. You don't have to start carrying, you know, money woes on your head because, hey, everybody's going to start up a side hustle. I want to do that as well. You don't have to. But if you're at a place where you're not yet making the kind of income you want to make in your career, Mm -hmm. a side hustle will help you augment. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're at a place where even though you're making the kind of money you want to make in your career, you're not necessarily feeling the sort of, you know, solar blaze, fire and my passion type of vibe. You want to keep your money and you want to have fire in your heart, mm-hmm. then start start a side hustle. Right. So it everything for me is very, very relative. Um, I don't think that any one way is more glamorous than the other. Any okay. one way guarantees the most mm-hmm. success than the other because you could go into business and you will fail. 
And when you fail, you have nothing to fall back on. You know. Exactly. And then when when you have nothing to fall back on, it's it's sad. If for instance, if you start your business for yourself, you don't have leave of absence insurance. Like if basically if you fall, if something happens while you're at work, your company still keeps paying you You for your salary. Mm -hmm. Once you're not working, you're not working. There's no money coming in, right? If you're broke, you're broke. Business is bad. Everything Mm -hmm. is bad, right? So there's it's not glamorous anywhere. It's just whichever path you're facing, face it and figure out the way to optimize it. Yeah, because I think personally, like everybody is not meant to be in business. That's the truth. That's one. And two, I believe in side hustle. Of course, do your side hustle, whatever works for you. But what I tell people is that do not leave your nine to five until you are sure that that business is going to take care of you. You are sure that this business, come rain, come sunshine, we are covered. That's one. Number two, you are sure that at the end of the day, anything, like, I'll take it. I don't just want to be under somebody else. And you are hardworking. And apart from hardworking, but you're able to take stuff from people because it's not easy to do business. Customer service, like, it's not easy. I know myself, there are a lot of things I cannot take. I don't have that patience. (laughs) So... I didn't even try business at all because I know it's not my thing. But if you I think that one of the worst reasons that people have for leaving their nine to five is, oh, I don't want to work for someone. I feel like that's not a very optimal reason because once you start your business, you're working for all of your customers, right? And you no longer have just one singular point of contact. It's no longer one person who's going to curse you out. Mm-hmm. It's going mm-hmm. to be two, three, four people. A lot of people, you know, and these are people that you can't even curse. You, you can't, you can't vex for them, you know. At least your boss, you can carry face for your boss. Yes, as well, <laughs> you can't, you can't vex for your customers. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's, it's it's not glamorous either way. Just choose, figure out what works for you, and and you need to have financial security. You need to have financial security because at least, like you said, at work, if I'm sick and I don't go to work for ten days, I will still get paid. I'm sick. Mm-hmm. I'm entitled to it. You know, think about, let's just use example, this COVID period that a lot of people had to go out of work. For me, the other time I didn't go to work for like almost 10 days because I was isolated. It did not affect my money. I still got my salary. But think yeah. about it was my business. I did not, 10 days. You can't afford that. That's I'll, it. I'll just fight for yeah. bankruptcy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, and, and really, it's, it's not to say don't go ahead and start a business. It's just like, you know, like, like you said, be very sure. Be very, very sure. And if you're a person who has, I, I think having a job, especially if you have a good job, I feel like it's a, it's a privilege. I feel like if you have the privilege of having a good job and you choose to start a side hustle, don't be too quick to toss your good job under the bus. Yeah. You know, don't be too quick to do that. Okay. So the next one is, do you think it's too early for people below 35 to start investing and saving? You know what? Today, just this morning on LinkedIn, I saw a video of this girl who's bought her first investment property. She's 23 years old, lives in the UK, Nigerian girl. Hmm. And, you know, I watched her YouTube video and it's one of those things where I was like, man, like just look at this wisdom because she very early was exposed to this option. I mean, hmm. by the time she was in year one of uni, she had saved 8,000 pounds. When, w- please, when you were in year one, how much did you have in your bank account? <laughs> 
Even if I 50k, I'm happy. You know, even if so, I had a thousand pounds in year one, what was I thinking about? I need to travel. Exactly. You know, but she, through her university, was saving and saved up to around, I think she said she saved up to around like 30,000 pounds. And I'm like, when I was in uni, I wasn't even trying to save money. Like, what are we talking about? Right. But then she did this. She got out of uni, got a good job. Seven months after getting out of uni, she has bought her first investment property at 23. Now, when you just think about it, if, even if she just is a passive real estate investor over the next 10, 15 years of her life, even if what she does is she buys one property every year for the next 10, 15 years of her life, and she's not even actively doing flips or any of the other things people do in the real estate space, think about the kind of life she's going to have at 40. Like, do you understand? So it is not too early. Please, the earlier you start, the earlier you start, the better. If you're a person who is in the position to influence a really young person to start the culture of saving, please do. The earlier you start, the better. And I feel like the first thing really is, yeah, see where you are with money, figure out how to live below your means, and then hack your way into saving. I've got a savings hack that I've been, I always talk about. The best way to save is to not see the money. Save from source right? If you're someone who has it, yes, directly, safe from source. If you're someone who has a job, then fill out your direct deposit form with two separate bank accounts. Mm -hmm. One that's your savings, one that's your current, your, your regular checking account, right? And just don't see the money. If you can do that over a six month period, you can then go back and say, oh, I've saved this money. And the thing about being able to successfully do these things is you, you pat yourself in the back. Like once mm -hmm. you realize you've done it for three mm -hmm. months, it's now like, uh -uh, I can do this thing now. And next thing you've done it for six months, one year, all of a sudden you have all this money within a one year, two year period, you saved up enough money to do something big. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So start with that and then put it out there. Then within the time that you're doing all your savings, start looking at things, start looking at investment options. Mm. When we say invest, it's easy to get yourself boxed into, okay, you're investing, you're investing into stock or you're investing, you're investing into real estate. Like it's easy to box yourself in. I always tell people that me, the investment channel that I, my own plan for how to build long-term wealth is real estate because that's what I understand. I've spent time understanding real estate but there are other things you can choose to understand you can choose to understand tech you can choose to understand healthcare you can choose to understand so many things that you can invest your money into and turn your money around right so see what the options are research and like learn it to the point where when it is time for you to start you saved up money you have the information all you now need to do is just take action so it's never too early. It is the earlier you start, the better, especially with savings and raising money. Start, start at five, start at two, start at one. Mod African mothers, stop taking your children's money that they dash them. Uh -huh. Leave it for them. It for them. For them. Leave it for them, oh please. But, <laughs> but I yeah, growing I, up, yes, I totally agree. Growing up, my mom, it was recently on Achi, you know, on Achi, my sister, she. One day I was also mom, she just sent me screenshots. She's like, Oh, it's your dividend thing. They need you to send this and this. I saw like one point something million. Like, Jesus, what's going on? I have this kind of money. Where is in Naira? And I just realized that since we're young, my mom, she has been investing for us in different things, buying stocks in different places, you know. And I look back, I'll be like, ah. This woman she tried for me. So all those small, small money she was taking from me, I, okay, it's okay. I forgive her for all those things she's taking. 
you know so i totally agree like mothers that, that, that's really awesome and, and perhaps you can have a separate podcast um to talk about that because yeah. parents need to start doing that for their children, for their children right of course um it's easy for us to talk about you know the wealth gap and black tax and that might be that might be a very viable way to reverse it if parents start being active mm-hmm. say okay yeah even though i don't have a lot right now this one that has entered that has my child's name on it I'm not going to use it for something else. I'll use it for my child and try to build yeah, something future. for my child. Okay. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Start saving for your kids because at the end of the day, it can also help them when they want to start out. You know, all mm-hmm. this thing create a trust mm-hmm. or whatever. Trust not only for rich people. You must, you must not at put all. millions. At all. Put something like you said. Start a savings mm-hmm. account. Start something. Start putting. Buy stocks in their name. You know, different things. You won't lose out. So. How do you diversify your portfolio in order to generate money for your future? So this question is interesting for me because as much as, yes, I'm investing, I'm trying to use my money to, you know, secure things and all that. Hmm. I'm not an active investor. The only investment channel that I am active in, and I don't even think that I'm I'm very active because I don't do flips, is real estate, right? Everything else, I'm very passive. Mm. I was, I've got a friend who, you know, once, like when Airbnb was going uh, public, you're like, well, are you yeah. going to buy the IPO, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, you're asking the wrong person because what, how I invest is, you know, listen to the news, see what's trending, see what companies I like, see what CEOs, like for instance, I love Elon Musk. I don't know that there's anything Elon Musk will cough on that I will not consume, you know? So I just know the things that I like and I put money in those things. And they're, they're, I, thankfully, I have a very diverse um, appetite. So I like things in different industries and I invest in different industries here and there. But I'm not investing and then every day going to check to see. It's like, okay, I've done it and I've left it alone and I've moved on from it, right? I use Stash, right? Mm-hmm. And what I've done is, you know, I've picked different, different investment pots on Stash, different ones that have different companies that I like. Some are not even necessarily companies that I know. It's just, oh, this is something that is in um, the tech space. And I'm like, okay, I feel like tech makes sense. I'll take a tech, um, a tech ETF bucket and add it to my portfolio. And then I just have a weekly transfer that goes from my bank account and goes and buys, yeah, and goes and buys these stocks for me, right? So it's not an active you know, I'm doing all the there are people who do that and people who okay. do that, you know, that's great. I just, that's not just me. Um, so I, I think that if you're a passive person like me, find tools like Stash, like Robinhood and use them because they already have ETS put together in buckets. They give you advice right there. Like you can see like on mine, um, I'm, I'm going to open mine now to show you what they say about my portfolio right it, it will tell you hey this when you look at it you see the bar mm. right it shows you the bar right there so you're able to see how diverse you are with your portfolio and you just keep working on it over time you don't get this knowledge by not doing this is the kind of thing that you only get better as you do i do right it. yeah yeah so find something I, I started using stash maybe in 2017 and I've just continued since then. I started, when I started Stash, it was $5 because I really didn't know what I was doing. And I was like, okay, oh, my $5, uh, if I put another $5 here, it could be better. You know, so yeah. from seeing those returns, I'm like, okay, cool, no problem. I started adding more money, right? Mm-hmm. So over time, pace yourself, build out yourself and just see what works. For me, I always advise, be ready to play the long game. Be ready to just be patient. 
Yeah, I think as young people that can still walk, that's what I always use. You know, it depends if you can walk or not. If you can still walk, always play the end game, the long game, so that later, you know, that's when you will need it. Now that you can walk and make the money, you really don't need to, you know, keep going to check. something. So same thing I do. Like for in Nigeria, I think I haven't heard of Stash, but a friend of mine told me about Rise Vest. That's the one I kind of used to. I put hundred dollars there on that. You know, taking some risk. It's hundred dollars. We just put it. Yeah. You know, it just goes. I'm like, buy where you can buy it for me. I also I said I want to I'm trying to read more on some other ones that I can use to buy just chunks from Apple, Tesla. I can't buy the whole thing, but just a yeah. bit, maybe hundred dollars of this, two hundred dollars. Yeah. Small, small money like that. That's, yeah. Yeah. When that's that's the beauty like of Microsoft and ETFs, right? Yes. It helps you. It helps you get into things that you may not be able to afford. I mean, hey, yeah. if you want to buy Amazon stock, what is about three k now? Maybe yeah. one three k. I don't yeah. know. Maybe you don't. Maybe maybe you don't have that money, but you have thirty dollars. With thirty dollars, you can buy a tiny portion of an tiny Amazon portion. stock, and you're still going to enjoy the benefits. Of course, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's very important to start investing. I will not lie. You know, um, I just started. I I think I said it that I said last year, and it was a friend that talked to me about it, and since then. You know, from time to time, he still calls me like, oh, have you checked this one? They have this. Check it. Oh, this one is out. Check it. Do you have money? Buy this. You know, yeah. so that, and I still pull. You need to, as you get older, you need to know the kind of friends you're keeping around you. So that you can see, for example, now, you now, I'm using it to do, like, I've been telling you, you know, my podcast, I've not really had to go and beg one extra. It's like my friends, I'm begging different yes. friends. Oh, come on, future, come on, say the, you know, different friends in different fields. So it's really important. You need to have the right people around you, which will also help you. Like you said, you might not be a master in all. You need to learn them. But also, if you have people around you and know it, you can ask a bit of question like, oh, oh, now that I need to tech, I could ask, so which ones do you think are making sense in tech? I'll go yeah. and read them about it and I'll be able to, yep. you know, put my money confidently. I'll be like, okay, you know, that's that, it. That, that is true. And you, I, I just want to like um, buttress your point about the people, the association and people that you have in your life. Mm-hmm. It's the people that you have in your life that give you options, yep. right? They're the ones that expose you to what is possible. So it's very important to be, you know, allow yourself be exposed to people. And if, even if you don't have them like in your direct contacts, you don't know them personally, listen to their podcast, consume their content. I feel like that is the most glorious thing about social media. Social media gives you access to the mind of people that you do not have no. access and once you see those things leverage that information and use it like when I was telling you about um, my my 60-30-10 rule I am positive that I learned it from someone. I just don't know who, but I'm positive that it's someone and it's probably someone that I found on social media, you know? So you, you never know what is out there that's just going to be that switch in your mindset that helps you change the way you do things mm-hmm. and secure the kind of life you're going to live in the future. Okay. So what are some of the practical steps people can take now to guarantee a comfortable future? First thing, max out your 401k. <laughs> that's, that's the first thing. But those that are not in the US, maybe UK, Nigeria, other places. Yeah. Think. Yeah, where, where, wherever you are, because even in Nigeria, I had a pension plan when I was working in Nigeria, right? Mm-hmm. It was it was the same contributory pension plan. At that point, if I'm being honest, I didn't really know anything, but I know that those things exist. So whatever company it is that you're going into, see what they have to offer in terms of retirement funding. Mm. learn it, understand it, ask those questions and figure out the best way to optimize your benefit from that. 
first thing. Then second thing, you know, depending on the bank, and I'm really going to speak from the American context because that's, you know, yeah, what I, where, you where, I, where mm-hmm. I operate. Check, check with your bank, right? See what products they have. Life insurance is a very amazing product. And there's different sorts of life insurance you can get. You know, you, you can get, I've forgotten what it's called now, but you can get life insurance that you can actually cash out the money. Yes, I know about that. that Someone yes. said, like, I remember when this COVID started, I said calling, making inquiries about this life insurance like, in case I came out something. <laughs> At least all this my money. <laughs> dramatic. Just, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm that dramatic. You should know me that I'm dramatic. So <laughs> I was like, let me do life insurance. And then my sisters, you know, have something. Let's not be that I work free now. No. So I said, asking, there are some that actually, when you get to a particular age and you're still alive and everything, you cash it out. Five or something, you cash out. Yeah. Yeah. So life insurance is a very beautiful tool, right? Mm-hmm. Some people would say, oh, I don't have, like, I don't have children. I don't have beneficiaries. It's a lie. You have, there's some, you have a sibling, you have, you have someone in the village, you have, you have somebody, you can get life insurance, right? So, you know, look through that. And then you can also get your own retirement savings account. You can get an IRA, right? Um, that's personal to you. You're doing your own personal contributions on mm-hmm. it. I remember a couple of years ago, my bank had a thing that they did where they were like, oh, if you open an IRA with just $100 mm-hmm. and keep, you know, keep it on there, they're going to give you $100 for free. Yeah, I was like, hey, just $100, no problem. So that was what made me open the IRA. But now it's like an, an account that I've been building out you yeah. know, over time just because I was like, oh, free money, you know? So, um, we like Olusha. Do that. I do. Oh, I do. I do. No, I'm not, no shame. I do. Yeah. Ah, this one might come off like I'm being cheap, but a lot of times when maybe I'm shopping, especially when I'm shopping online and maybe I've seen that ah, I'm about to spend like, in a particular store. Mm -hmm. I'll actually go online and see whether they have discount codes. I'll go discount code for... Stop it. That's That's me. That's me. I will will look for vouchers. Look for voucher codes. (laughs) Yes. Just recently, I wanted to send someone a birthday present. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know his size or anything. So I figured I'll just send a gift card. Mm-hmm. As I was not trying to buy the gift card, and I said that there's a there's a, whether a mailing fee or something silly like that. I'm like, hello, why am I paying oh, mailing fee? And I went and I found a discount code that removes the mailing fee. Of course, and, <laughs> and that's I, how it works. <laughs> so I mean, there's no shame, man, because if it's out there, it means it's out there for people to use, right? So when you remember, do those sorts of things. Use Groupon. Find ways to find ways to reduce your expenses. <laughs> there are a lot. There's voucher. There's yeah, right. then check check like some professional bodies, they give you discount because discount. You, for example, in the UK, NHS, there's health services discount. There's a lot of them. Like the other I was buying Adidas, 35% off. 35. <laughs> Do you know what 35% off is? Please, you are not too big. You are not to be, yes. And I like that you mentioned this, like companies that you work for. I've been fortunate, the two companies that I've actively worked for in America. Mm-hmm. they've had, you know, employee discount plans where important. you just go put in your employee code and you get things for cheap, right? So find those things and utilize them. Do, utilizing those things help you increase the the usefulness of your present day cash. And mm-hmm. based on the extra that you have, you can then make plans for the future. But I, I would definitely say for planning for your future, look at your 401k, look at your retirement planning, look mm-hmm. at that very well go to your, have a conversation with your bank, see what yeah. options are out there, yeah. right? And then there's a smart way to use credit cards. Mm-hmm. Use credit, try to learn to use credit cards smartly. Mm-hmm. So that I think we're going we're gonna to talk about building credit, credit so that you can build credit. Because in countries that work, 
the credit system, your access to wealth is not the amount of money you have. Your access to wealth is your credit your score. Your credit, yeah, your credit score. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you, you know, just utilize what you have in the present day to position yourself well so that you have, first, access to other people's money because that's what your credit score helps you do. When yeah. you have access to other people's money, you can use it to build your own money. Right? Yeah. So I, th- I would say those are my, like, off-the-cuff tips for getting yourself secured for a financial future. And then, of course, if you're a person who, like you said previously, you have the stomach for going ahead to do a business and starting your own thing, start your own thing. The quicker you start your own thing, the better for you. The quicker you will make mistakes, you will learn what it is that you can and cannot do mm-hmm. and figure out the way to scale your business. So, yeah. Well, you already, yeah, you said everything as in nil has been piped down everything. <laughs> I think the next one was the credit score, which you've talked about. So I just wanted your thoughts on budgeting, credit score, and investment clubs. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm okay, that last one because <laughs> I know your thoughts on it, but I just want you to say it out here. And it, it has become a trend. I'm like, well, okay. Why would I pay? Well, it's all good. Let's let's say it. We'll get there. So first with your credit score. And I I mean, I'm sure a lot of people who are migrating or who want to migrate or who are new migrants listen Mm -hmm. to your podcast, right? Mm -hmm. As a new immigrant, especially if you're coming from Africa, do not fall for the carrot. When you get a credit card that tells you you've got a $500 limit, a $3,000 limit, you feel like, ah, I'm rich. I can spend money. No, you can't. (laughs) You cannot. Don't do it. You'll pay back. If you don't pay back on time, they will chase you for their interest, right? So learn to use credit cards smartly. Say the golden rule is don't spend the money you don't already have in your bank account. Mm -hmm. If you don't already have the money, don't swipe it on your credit card, right? And once you use your credit card, pay back. Mm -hmm. Now, when I say pay back, I'm a little on the fence around that paying back because um, a friend of mine, he had some credit card debts and he got some windfall money and he paid off all his credit card debts. Mm. And as soon as he paid off all his credit card debts, his credit score dipped, right? Um, and so what we realized was it's probably a good idea to have a tiny little balance, tiny, not a lot, tiny, mm. tiny balance that does not incur any sort of interest. But then again, you also want to be mindful of the kind of credit card that you're doing that with because different credit cards come with different terms and conditions, right? So you want to know... Amex... Definitely not Amex. Oh my! They are going to they are going to beat us. Oh my god! I feel like I feel like my my Amex card, right? When I'm like when I need to rent a vehicle or when I'm traveling, I use it because of all the additional insurance and stuff that it comes with. But that one, I like I pay it off. I pay it off as if there's there's hot there's hot yam in my mouth. Right, so you need to know the terms and conditions for the credit cards that you're using. I know what credit cards you can use for stuff, and then really, you need to know your, your APR everyday... too. I think that's yes. another thing to look at <laughs> that APR. To... Yes, and you also need to like for the the credit card that I use for my day to day expenses. Mm. I get a cash back. I think I get a one point five percent cash back for I think all of my grocery and gas expenses. Right, so pay attention to those things and let that inform your choice for what card you swipe and when you swipe your card and how often you swipe your card. But, you know, spend the time to do that research and learn, learn how to hack the system so that that way you can build a credit score. The beautiful, beautiful thing about building your credit score is if, for instance, you have a credit score that's in the maybe like 720 and so the other person has a credit score of 690, 
both of you will qualify to buy a $30,000 car, right? Mm -hmm. But the interest rate will be different. The monthly payments will be different. The person who has a higher credit score will be saving more money in yeah. interest, right? So you want to set that up for yourself. Then the next thing you asked about was budgeting. My credit score dipped recently and I was, my, I was so sad. Yeah. But like, the thing is, I mean, at, at the same time, like if you want to do something... For months... Things if you want to do something big, like you want to buy a house or buy a car, or whatever, you know, it'll dip after they do that pull. Yeah. And then a couple, you know, just continue your good financial discipline and build back your credit. Yeah. Right. And then figure out instruments. When I first came to America, one of the things that helped me with my credit score was that I got a secure loan mm -hmm. um, from my bank. So figure out credit builder instruments. I, I mean, I, I don't want to give very specific details of all these things because it's different based on where you are and yeah. what bank you're using. But do not be afraid to have a conversation with your bank. Bank, yeah. Right, yes. Mm -hmm. Find out the instruments they have and utilize them. So, um, yeah, focus on building credit score, first thing. Mm -hmm. Then with your budget. Budget, yeah. I mean, we already talked about Jaya money, right? Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll come to what that is. But with your budget, people have different budgeting styles. They tell you they want to do zero-sum budgets, all of these things. Mm -hmm. For me, my budget is a spreadsheet. Yeah. Everything that I pay for, a lot of my bills are automated. Everything that I pay for, I know, okay, this is how much everything is. Then I include money that I want to use to buy like groceries. I like to shop. Okay, this is my shopping cap for the year, um, for the month. Yeah. You know, I, I know I like to hang out and all of that. This is my hanging out cap for, for the month, right? Finished. Have ended. Yeah. So it, it, you know, it, it doesn't have to be too complex. And it's interesting how budgeting works because it is part, like when you're in a relationship, some people say, you know, you have a relationship, it skews off your budget or, you know, you don't want to date someone that has such a tight budget that they can't infuse you, you know, all of that. I feel like when you're in a relationship, depending on how the relationship has grown, of right. course, not at the beginning, but as it has grown, it makes sense for you and your partner to actually budget together, Right have a budget for your relationship. So that way you guys can say, hey, this year we're going to plan a trip to Santorini. And you're both working towards that, right. right? So it's just having that mindset around, this is how much money that I'm making. This is how I want to spend my money. Mm -hmm. Something I also like to include in my, um, my uh, I wouldn't say my budget, like I, I, I vision board, right? I, I plan out every, every year I try to have like a particular part of my life that is priority for that year mm -hmm. and within that part of my life there's you know there are things that I want to do right so if for instance okay like for this year my goal is to buy x amount of investment property mm -hmm. I now know because of how much I need to do that it now trickles down into how I plan my monthly budget you see what I'm saying it trickles down into just the amount of, I even have on my budget I have money for birthday presents I have money for I said you know, that I said um, that you know yeah a savings which is gifts literally I put in mm -hmm. a particular amount every month into that place is gifts so because I know Christmas I like to give people gifts I know I'll get from yeah. there birthday gifts if it's someone I'm sending a birthday it's from there I'll, that's what I started doing because I don't want to really be you know you should just, I have funds. I have, so that's like, if you see my, you just scattered, but it's all good. <laughs> so and I think you're definitely doing it right. We even have a separate account. For me, it's not separate accounts, but it's just on my spreadsheets. Mm. This is what I've been allocated, you know, and it's a thing where like, sometimes I even tell one of my best friend, I was like, beat me from now till tomorrow. 
you know they know they it's not it's not on the plan it's not on the plan that's that about that right and then of course if it's a thing where maybe i didn't plan for it so so maybe my, my best friend for instance got mm. married recently and you know that was an expensive endeavor right and i know that i spent more than I would have normally spent. But it's a thing where I'm like, okay, I'm going to spend this whole money up front. And then what that means is over the next couple of months, there's going to be an adjustment. Yep. So I that, too. Mm-hmm. that honesty and self-awareness about where your money is, I find that it is easier to budget and stick to your budget when you have a goal, a big goal. Okay. A big goal. I want to buy a car. I want to get a house. I want to pay for this course. I mm-hmm. want to travel to this place. I want to do this big thing for my partner or for my parents or for, you know, so have a big goal that you want to achieve that year and mm-hmm. then somehow make your money just rotates around that. Yeah. I think it helps give you a sort of ginger and defense and validation for sticking to your budget. Okay. Then the next thing you asked about was investment clubs. Mm-hmm. So did you, <laughs> in Nigeria, they used to call, is it Isusu? Isusu. Isusu. Yeah. Isusu mm-hmm. they do, yeah. Where you contribute money and then at the end of the month, one person, one person takes money. it, you keep like uh-huh. that. Mm-hmm. So even though we didn't call it investment clubs, as far as I'm concerned, those that were... That is the club, actually, of course. Yeah, mm-hmm. right, so, right, right. So I am not in any investment club. I don't know that I will be joining any investment club. I think that to be in an investment club, there's a high level of trust that you have to have. Hmm. If you have that high level of trust with the people you're doing it with, great, right? But investment club, I, I, I'm not knocking them. I think that if you're a person who has 10K and you want to invest in maybe a, um, a, a multi-unit property that's going to cost 300K to purchase, your 10K is not going to get you anywhere because 10K doesn't even come up to the 25% down payment, right? So if you now say, okay, let me go and find other people so we can contribute money and they will all own this thing together. I mean, you can do that too, but make sure, first of all, there is high level of trust. Second of all, even if you trust them, take care of the legal part of it. The contract <laughs> of the documentation. Like, don't do willy nilly. I gave you my one k. Willy nilly, I gave you my ten k. It's it will. This one is not. It's might. It will end in tears. So make sure there is a contract signed, something that you can take to court that is that valid is in fine. court. Don't just write email. No, go online. Go to Rocket Lawyer. Right. Download templates for how to get contracts together and put a contract down so that you know this is a business venture and it goes down for everybody. If it is up and up, it's up and up for everybody. So just be wise, you know, be wise while doing them and make sure that you're not following the snake oil salesman. Just make sure it's not, it's not that. Because some people can, ah, they will tell you it's the best thing since sliced bread. By the time you enter, you now notice that there's no knife to even cut. Sure, there's, there's no, no knife to cut the bread. bread. <laughs> Another thing I want to talk about, and I, I know this, this is not part of, um, it wasn't the scope of the conversation, but it's a personal grouse for me. Mm-hmm. You see network marketing, mm. right? Which one? All those? Anyone. The, is it like MMM? Anyone. All those uh, <laughs> no, MMM one is that one. I thought that's just straight out pyramid scheme because there's no product. But then there's some network marketing companies that actually have a product, right? They'll tell you, I mean, you must, I'm trying not to name names because I don't. Oh, you know, there's the one that they do in Nigeria very well. Yeah, exactly. That one. The one you're thinking of. Yes, that one. <laughs> One of my mother's friend was doing it. She brought it to her house. Yeah. We finished it till we're not doing <laughs> The reason I have this grouse is because 2019, I was involved in a network, network marketing business. I think I was in there for maybe three months or whatever. Within that three-month period, I lost $3,000. Mm. 
Right. And it's like, really? really? Now, what they do is they get you, you're buying all of these products. So they tell you this thing like, okay, yeah, you have to register. When you register, you have to use the products. You got to buy, you're going to sell the product if you're not using it. You're not using it. Right? Now, what's happening is that with you purchasing the product, you are the person making money for the person that's For them, you. of course. You know? So it's like, what are we talking about here? Network marketing, the, I feel like the only, maybe not the only, the most likely way to make money in network marketing is to be at the top. Yeah, the, of one, the, yeah, the one that said it. You're the one up. Yes. So yeah. when you're at the bottom, and then most network marketing businesses are, you know, becoming pretty saturated. So it's not to say you will not make any money at all, but then the money is very relative. Mm-hmm. The one that I was a part of, they said, you know, when you get to a particular level, they'll give you $20,000. How am I After dead? I left it, I now did the math. How? First of all, for me to get, no, they will give you the $20,000. Because you work for it now. Did you not work for it? It's bam. Like for me to get to the point where I would earn that $20,000, I would have spent about $5,000 of my own money. Mm-hmm. So literally you're giving me some of the money that I have spent over a one and a half year period. Mm-hmm. Because by the time you think about what you spend going to conferences, what you spend on the products, what you spend buying books, what like it was a lot. And at that point I was like, yo fam, y'all be crazy. Okay. So network marketing I can tell you with my full chest, I think it is a terrible idea. Mm -hmm. And the people who fall into network marketing a lot are usually people who don't have a lot of financial flexibility and they're not very liquid. So I personally think that it's a wicked thing. You know, if you're coming and giving people all these fantasies, you know, go vacation on a beach, ride on a boat, own an airplane... No, let's not do that. Then again, don't be wicked. Say the truth, right? And then it also goes to where we are. Um, If you are in a hurry to become rich, it's easy for you to fall into those sorts of situations. So again, play the long game. Be patient with wealth building. Because I know someone that said that you cannot con someone that is not greedy. That's what you said, right? Because I used to watch all these series before and we're talking like it's hard it's harder to scam someone that is not greedy yeah. than somebody that is greedy. So once someone is greedy, it's very easy to scam and become them. Yeah. Well, greedy or desperate. Or desperate. You know, people, yes. people might be in desperate situations. Yeah. And that's that's why I personally think it's a wicked thing. Because if you take a person who's and literally when they're even telling you, they'll tell you, oh, prospecting and contacting, they tell you, oh, see this person, like you know, you have to check. You know, see see how they dress. See what if if you meet someone who's a single mother, chances are that she's struggling with yeah. bills and everything. Speak to that. You're not you're, you're not going there to empathize. You're going there to manipulate. Manipulate. You know. Yes, so it. it's like, uh, yeah, it's I, I network marketing for me is a no. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So today the day has been well spent. Like we <laughs> asked our <laughs> what we were supposed to stop at but yeah it's it's i think it's been a very good one like even me i've been doing some jotting downs too like i've learned some things i need to even ask my bank a few questions too because when it comes to my retirement i've just been doing the one that my employer is you know putting in for me but i've not really um, exhausted other means so i'm going to really look into that so i'm really glad for that i'm i'm very grateful for this talk so i just want to ask you any final words what can you tell us that will really help our financial journey well i mean i think it's what you say now that you're now that you can work now that you're young figure out a way to optimize your earning capacity because that really is the beginning of everything um if again if you are able to not have money you know money concerns be the thing that you think about every day 
it opens up your options, opens up your ability to dream, opens up your ability to build a financial future for yourself. So optimize your earning capacity right now and plan for your future so that future you will be happy with the present day you. Okay, we've come to the end, but I think my takeaway from all this is that you should actually think about your future, not that you can't work. I've said everything you said. And I will just say this, like the road to financial independence is paved with a lot of speed bumps. So it's mm-hmm. best you slow down, enjoy the ride and learn as much as possible as you go along the way. So that's my final word. And thank you for joining me today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Insights with Evo Jalaf. I hope you learned something because I sure did. In order not to miss our future episodes, like and subscribe to the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. And also follow us on our socials, Insights with Ibo Jalof, so you can stay updated on all our content. For now, it's bye from me and I'll catch up with you on the next episode.